0: And uh, launch my presentation. So everybody should be seeing my slideshow now. Uh, I'm going to try to keep an eye on the chat and the Q and A. Although um, it will probably, I'll probably miss stuff. So uh, if you ask a question, obviously we'll definitely get to it at the end. Um, but like I said, I'll try to keep an eye on it. And if something pops up uh, during the uh, during the, sem- uh, the presentation, I'll, I'll try to answer it if I can. So again, what we're going to talk about today. Is we're going to talk about EAT. Specifically, how does an algorithm determine authority? How does an algorithm determine any of these things? Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you some clues. Um, you know, obviously, nobody knows exactly what Google's doing, but we, ha- we do do testing. Uh, and you can see through uh, through copious amounts of field data, uh, you can figure out what is, uh, what is the search engine doing and sometimes what the search engine is not doing. And that's sometimes just as important as what the search engine does do. So first, let's introduce myself. My name is Charles Taylor. I'm Senior Director at uh, SEO for Fox. Uh, I always call myself an SEO nerd. I've been an SEO nerd since the early 2000s. Uh, I've been, as, as Michael alluded to, he stole my thunder a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of different uh, verticals. I started out, uh, like many people in SEO, as an affiliate, uh, did that game for, for many years. And, and then I, I got into the legal niche and I worked for uh, uh, Martindale-Hubble or division of LexisNexis. And then I got into e-commerce. I was there for, I don't know, six, seven years at least. Um, I, I've done local campaigns, did a lot of that with our legal, uh, legal, um, clients when I worked for Lexus Nexus. And recently in the past, I guess almost 10 years now, uh, I pretty much specialized in enterprise SEO. I was a SEO uh, manager of SEO over with uh, Verizon. And I was there for about six years. And I've been with Fox for a little over two, almost two and a half years now. So um, yeah, I definitely has been specializing in the enterprise. But I think what I've found is that there's not that much difference between enterprise and a small organization in the sense that the rules are still the same. Um, you just have to understand that depending on the size your website, sometimes you need to send more signals than another website may need to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, let's talk specifically, what are we going to cover? We're going to talk about what is EAT specifically, like what, you know, what is EAT? Um, we're gonna talk about brand authority because that's super important that's been something that, that Google's been driving towards for a while now uh for years now and it's it's getting even more important we're going to talk about the guidelines the specific e- guidelines and we're gonna understand that in a few moments uh we'll, get, we'll talk some very specific about company and, and and author information and if we have time which I think we're gonna have plenty of time we're gonna get a little uh we're gonna a little bonus information I throw in there for you guys <clears throat> so EAT. EAT stands for experience, expertise, authority, and trust. The first thing to understand is that EAT is not a direct ranking factor. EAT does affect your rankings, um, but EAT is really the evaluation that Google has set up for their content reviewers, uh, for their search search quality raters. Now, what exactly is a search quality rater? Because I realize I might just throw in kind of a weird concept to some of you. Google actually hires... Uh, hundreds if not thousands of people maybe more probably thousands uh, all over the globe and what they do is they look at the google search results both test and live so with production and staging or development results and they determine uh they have a whole set of guidelines saying is this is this a good result is this a bad result uh, are the pages here are they relevant are they not relevant are they relevant but not really trustworthy are they uh, are they authoritative and trustworthy but not really relevant so it's all these different guidelines google gives google the google's goal here is they want to serve content that really benefits people and not search engines. And that's why they have the humans looking at the search results. So the humans aren't programming the algorithm and they're not necessarily taking specifically what humans say and putting into the algorithm, but it does influence. So that's very important. Uh, also, you know, the, one of the things they would say would ordinary people feel the results they get demonstrate Meaning is are these results experienced, you know, from somebody with experience, expertise, authoritativeness and trust. Uh, and again, EAT, they're just guidelines. The EAT guidelines are used with the search quality raters to evaluate the results. So EAT isn't necessarily an algorithm. And sometimes there's a bit of a misnomer where people think EAT is a specific algorithm and it's not. So what is this? What are these guidelines? Well, enter the guidelines. As you can see from my screen here, there are 176 pages for these guidelines. So they're kind of meaty. Um, There's not secret. Google does. If you can just go to Google and search, you know, search quality rater guidelines, uh, you'll be able to find it. I do have a link in this deck. I'll make sure I put it in the the chat at the end of the uh, presentation so you don't have to bother searching for it. Uh, But there's a lot of information in these guidelines. They're worth reviewing. When I say reviewing, they're worth reviewing Review the table of contents. <laughs> don't go reading all 176 pages. That's a lot of information and, and you don't want to be digging into all that. Um, but uh, but it does. This is the guidelines that Google gives its quality raters. And these are the guidelines that the raters use to determine whether the search results are good or not. So when Google runs a test, they might change their search results drastically. They will then have their raters using these guidelines. Rate the new search results, so you can start understanding. This is the the raters are basically helping Google to program. The feedback from the raters are helping Google to program their algorithms. Uh, raters, uh, what they do is they're given this scale to rate a page quality. Um, and the, obviously, it's 176 pages, lots of ways Google tells people to rate quality. Uh, but there's this real big scale saying, is it the highest? Is it lowest? Is it medium? Is it medium plus? Is it high plus? Is it low plus? Uh, low Lowest minus, I guess, would be between lowest and NA. Um, and, and these are, so there's quite a quite a way, uh, quite a range that users, these uh, raters can reserve, um, sh- show things. And often they'll ask things, like I said earlier, like I alluded to earlier, like, okay, maybe this is an authoritative site, but maybe it's not trustworthy, or maybe it's authoritative and trustworthy, but they don't have experience. Um, so like a new site may talk about a subject where someone will say, well, that's great, but they're not, you know, the, you know this site isn't an authority on uh, this subject matter. Or maybe they have an authoritative Subject matter, but that site isn't very um, isn't very um, uh, trustworthy for some reason. Um, or you have somebody with experience who doesn't necessarily have authority. So there's there's all these different guidelines back and forth, and uh, this is kind of it's it's broken down in a very simple scale for the users to give them for the raters to give them feedback. Okay, so we talked about that. We understand that the search quality guidelines. There's actual physical guidelines out there. 176 pages. They actually have search raters looking at both live and uh, and test uh, results to determine whether these results look good or not. It helps them to define the overall qual- overall uh, quality of the algorithm. But how does an algorithm determine quality? And that's really what we want to talk about. And that's what we need to know as website owners. How does this? How, how does the algorithm determine quality? How do we know if our algorithm is quality? Because if you take Google's word for it, they'll just say. Write great content. Well, that's good, but it's a little vague. So, how do we detr- how do we show a computer that we are qualitative, qualitative or an authority or trustworthy? It always begins with building your brand. So <clears throat> keep if you remember nothing else from this presentation, remember these three questions. It's all about def- establishing your brand. And when you establish your brand, there are really three questions you have to answer for their users. Who you are? what you do and where do you do it. So who you are would be your company name, company information, what you do, meaning what do you sell or what service do you provide? And where do you do it? Meaning, where can they find you online? Do you have a service area? Do you have a physical location, local businesses? This is really important. Um, Where can Google find you? And and if if you consider these three questions, these are gonna keep coming up over and over again when we start looking at at the guidelines. So, we can usually get clues as to how the algorithm is working based upon, um, again, based upon these guidelines. So, we review the section headings. And again, uh, I've done most of my research just looking at the section headings in the, in the report, in the um, uh, quality graders guidelines. And you'll notice you'll see things like, for example, 2.5.3, uh, finding about us, contact information, customer service information. Hmm, that's interesting. So these raters are being told, hey, find those pages on the, on, your, on the site. So if your site doesn't have these pages, that could potentially be a problem. Uh, we'll notice a little bit higher there. We're supposed users are being asked to identify the main content, supplementary content, advertisements, and monetization, basically meaning ads. So if your site is making it hard for users to figure out what is the main content, what are the ads, what are supplementary content, that could potentially hurt us as well because those are things that Google's asking its raters to look at. Uh, You'll notice a little bit further down, and there's several pages of of, uh, tables of contents. I'm not going to go through all of them; just going to use these as great examples. Uh, If you look look down section three, it's asking for reputation of the website. Now, this is something I find really interesting. We'll talk a little bit this about this more, especially for local-based businesses or businesses with locations. Um, They're asking for uh, reputation, Um, so reputation of a website, reputation of a company, and. You'll notice one of these, how to find, how to search for reputation about a website. So they're not just asking about what you say about yourself. They want to know what other websites and other locations on the web are, how they're referring to you. And that's really important as well, because now it's not about just changing your website. It's about making sure that what other folks are saying about you that has positive sentiment and obviously is probably on key to say what you're, again, who you are, what you do and where you do it. So, getting in thinking like an algorithm, how does a computer look at these things? Well, uh, I run tests on these, so I, I do know that it helps with both indexation and ranking. Um, Google is looking for your info, uh, your info pages, for lack of a better term, or information about your business. Again, who you are. Um, privacy policy pages, contact us pages, terms of service, uh, G- GDP, uh, GDPR type pages, uh, all of these pages Google's looking for on your site. Uh, now, interesting, when I did my testing, um, you didn't have to be unique. I even ran a test where it didn't really have any content on it. And from an SEO point of view, Google didn't seem to really care. They were just looking for the existence of these pages. Now, again, for Google purposes, for SEO purposes, it doesn't particularly matter what's on these pages. Obviously, for legal purposes, you need to make sure that you have the correct privacy information, the correct contact terms. There's all that stuff that has to be accurate. But from from a Google standpoint, they seem to just be looking for these pages. Do these pages exist and do you link to them? Your business information. So here's another little uh, snippet I grabbed from the Resolve website, Uh, what what I would call your NAP, your name, address, and phone number. Uh, Is that on your website? Can Google, can can users find who you are? And that's really important for trust, Um, because if you have a website and you're trying to hide who you are and, and where you are, that's not a good trust quality. And that's not a good trust factor. So Google will definitely be looking at that with a with a more um, a suspicious eye. Uh, little FYI here, um, having your NAP well, disp- uh, well displayed on your website will help you with your local results. Uh, so if, you, if you're a Google business place or you're formerly known as Google My Business, uh, very, very important for your NAP to appear, up, but not only on your assets, but other places on the web as well. Uh, I also point out here, like on results on the Resolve website, they have a contact button. Again, things like this help people to know and help the search engine to know yep this is a real website and they want to engage in users we've all gone to websites where good luck figuring out who runs that website and if you have a problem good luck figuring out who to contact unfortunately being an enterprise i've worked with many large organizations that do this these make these exact same mistakes so if you're a smaller medium-sized business and, and you're making this mistake no big deal a lot of folks do this but we want to make sure we're running ahead of the pack Uh, company schema. This is super important. Uh, You can use data markup, i.e. schema, uh, to make it easier for Google to ingest your corporate information. So let me just take a quick aside for schema in general. Uh, Schema is coding that's found on the code of your web pages and it's in the back end, but it contains all of the information about the page, about your company, about your product, um, there's all kinds of schema. There's, If you go to schema.org, there's pages and pages of information. Uh, this is very important. Uh, it's very important for both small and large organizations. Google has a problem. They have a great indexing crawling bot machine, but they've created a bit of a Frankenstein. They can't stop this Monster, this Frankenstein's monster from crawling the web. So, how do they determine what sites they should rank and what sites they should filter out? Um, how do they how do they save money crawling the web? Schema is one of the ways you can cheat. So, we have a little example here. I grabbed one off of uh, Resolve. They have their they have their company schema, which is great. Um, you can check your schema. There's a validator, and I checked the validator, and I said, Oh, they're using a they're using a terminology they don't want to use in, in in schema. So, so Michael, we'll we'll talk after the we'll talk after the uh, presentation about how to fix that. Um, I would recommend. You can make this even more robust. There's lots of things. You can make schema, like this is good schema, nothing wrong with this, but we can add even more information. For example, the addresses in here. That's great. There are fields called same as. So you can say, hey, this is us. Here is who I am. Uh, Here is my address, but here's other places you can find me. So you can point to your LinkedIn page your Instagram page, Facebook, whatever other company profile pages you have to make sure you link to those things as well. Uh, you can also there's also an item called website schema that can be on your site as well. This helps to influence the name that you see in the SERP. So when you go to Google and you'll see the different uh, website or uh, website names in Google. Uh, Google's trying to figure out what your name is. It will grab from a couple of different places. But one of the things that Google's documents even say, is, hey, if you use this website schema and identify your name in the name field, we're gonna to try to use that. Obviously, if you're trying to trick Google, they're gonna figure it out eventually. Um, but this schema is very, very powerful, is a quick and cheap way for Google to find out who you are and what your website's about. And anytime you can make things easier for the search engines, do it. So if you don't have schema implement on your website, I strongly recommend audit your schema, figure out what else you can do. Uh, let's talk about content. So everyone's writing content, uh, content marketing. Um, you know how do you, how do you get more people to your website? You get more people to your website by having optimized content. Uh, but now we've come to the point where everyone knows we need optimized content. Lots of folks are putting out the optimized content. So how do you make sure that your content is as authoritative? Well, a simple thing we can do, and, and I grabbed an example from the Resolve site again, is make sure you have a byline. Uh, Real articles have real authors and are published on real dates. If If your website's putting out a lot of content and you're not identifying the author or the published date, then not to say you can't rank or won't rank but you're going to be at a disadvantage of those that that do have more information. So a couple of things you'll want to make sure you do is I see here, we have a great example. We have Danica's name here. So we have by Danica. Um, You do want to be a little careful with what terms you use when you identify the author. Google actually does recommend certain terms to use. Same with the date. We want to make sure we're using very specific terms. Published is one of the ones Google specifically calls out. Same with updated. So here we have her name. We have a published date, which is great. If you make any significant changes to the article. What's a significant change? Well, not a typo and not grammar changes. That's not a significant change. If you're updating content saying, all right, well, this was true in 2020. This is now the, this is now what's going on in 2023. That's obviously an updated change. You can publish that updated date. Uh, You can have a published date. You can have an updated date. You could just have your updated date and show the most recent date. Um, those all be very informative. Those all be helpful and very informational. I would also recommend, if you have an author in your byline, you link to their bio page. Uh, again, it's showing Google, showing the algorithm, this is an important, uh, this is this is an important piece of content, and it was written by a real person because real people put their name on articles. Real people have bio pages. One quick aside: if you're in one of the your money or your life um, uh, verticals that Google uh, hangs out, so that's pretty much. Think, you know, think anything financial, think anything medical. Uh, Google does have, they really do look harder um, at the quality. So uh, you may need to have things like edited by or reviewed by and then have the expert to edit it. so a journalist can write it, but an expert edited it or reviewed that article. And then you would want to put their name in the byline and link to their bio page. Uh, Author page. So I mentioned we should link to an author page. So here's a a quick little example from from Resolve. Uh, What should an author page include? Well, um, you can include as much or as little as you want. Here's what I would do if it was up to me. I would definitely have the person's name definitely have their title why because real people who work for real companies have titles uh, a short bio why because real people have a biography an image because real people have pictures does it have to be a real image can it be i've, I've seen caricature images honestly I, I don't think the algorithm really cares that they're looking for elements they're trying to figure out is danica a real person or not so a name a title a bio a profile image links to other profiles and if you haven't already guessed you guess it Person schema have schema behind the scenes to help identify this person and link this person to their other places on the web. So Danica's profile page would want to link to her LinkedIn and maybe Twitter or whatever other profiles she's using professionally. Of course, professional profiles. Um, because why? Because real authors write real articles and have social media profiles that they update regularly. So these are all the kinds of things the the, uh, the search engine is looking for. So this is, hopefully you're getting a sense for these are, uh, we had these ratings, the raters are looking at um, what makes a page real, what makes a page good. And then the algorithm is trying to figure out, okay, well, what did this person look at? What, what elements on the page can the algorithm cue in on? All right, let's do a little bonus. Stuff. Let's talk a little bit of local. History. I know some folks here may have local businesses. Uh, maybe they have a service area. Maybe they have, uh, maybe they have a chain. Maybe they have, you know, franchises or something like that. They have people coming to their business, and that's where Google My Business comes in. Actually, it's called Google Business Places now. They're constantly changing the name. Um, there, there's there's trust signals when it comes to local as well. Uh, so I have an example here for uh, Albertson Stadium in, in, in Boise, Idaho. Um, so how do you build local trust signals? This is super important uh, when it comes to local SEO. Um, it's easy. As actually, the ranking's not that hard, but getting a getting a listing, getting a, a GBP and getting it to stay, it can be very, very difficult sometimes. So the first thing you always want to do is claim your listing, fill in as many details as possible. Warning, don't mess with your company and profile number. That is a sure sign to go into review. Uh, and you don't want to go into the review process because basically the folks in the review process, with Google are trying to prove you don't really exist. Uh, pictures of your business. Again, real businesses have pictures. Just like real authors have pictures, real businesses have pictures, have pictures of their business location. Make sure you add that stuff. Uh, quality citations, meaning other people are mentioning your business, preferably mentioning your NAP. Remember, name, address, phone number. Think sites like Better Business Bureau. Like, Yes, there are lots of companies you can go to that will, will build out 20,000 citations. Yeah, you can do that, but really Google's looking for trust signals. If you remember back earlier in the presentation it talked about figuring out what the other uh, what other websites were saying about your company and or your website so even if you don't have a local business having things like bbb.org um, having having citations having websites that are talking about your company and rating your company very important and then real reviews i i i, I and emphasize real views. Uh, just recently, a company ran afoul with Google. Actually, Google sued, sued them because they were selling reviews. Uh, I would not recommend you know buying reviews or doing anything phony. Um, Google has actually, their algorithms got really good at spotting reviews. Uh, one little hint uh, I've noticed recently is real reviews have sentiment. So when somebody uh, puts a review five stars, they better say things like great service, uh, good help, fast um fast delivery things like that are all things that should show up in a four to five star review uh is sentiment all right so that is I kind of want to encapsulate there's a lot you can talk about there's a, it's hard to take 176 pages and distill it down but uh this is uh this is really my part to say hey uh, if you want to reach out to me here's ways to reach out to me but uh this is not over we are going to continue into a little AMA so I will uh, pass back to you Michael Thanks so much, Charles. That was.